of you might not be that um, over the kind of last three months, myself and my wife Rian um, had a sabbatical. So we've been back um, about a month now, and that's been it's been a real joy. Uh, it's been a real blessing. It's great to be together with, with our church family again. Um, and you might be thinking, oh, it'd be, it'd be so easy for me to preach after you know three months of um, having some space and time. But actually, I found it quite difficult to. Lots of things going on in my head and my heart, lots of different ideas of what could I share this morning. Um, but hopefully what I've got to share is an encouragement to you. So over the last few months, um, we've been exploring being mission partners, haven't we? Um, not just doing mission, but um, mission being in our DNA and about who we are about. Um, and I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction today. Uh, but I still believe that it can be something that benefits us um, in, our, in being missional and who we are. So today the focus is going to be more on formation. So you might be thinking what I mean by formation. So formation meaning seeing Jesus formed in us more fully, growing in our faith, um, a part of which is discipleship. But I think there's other elements to that too. And it could really seem perhaps that kind of formation, that discipleship and Jesus' presence is, is very different to mission. You know, we can see those as, as quite different things. But I actually believe that they really go hand in hand. Uh, one way I've heard this described, which I found quite helpful, is this. Um, the energy journey, the inner journey is needed to enable and benefit the outward journey. Meaning that the inner journey of Christ being formed in us and all that goes with that um, is needed for us to be effective in mission, for us to be full of the Holy Spirit, for us to be um, that light in the world. Uh, and both of these journeys are absolutely part of uh, Christian life and being a follower of Jesus. As we've been hearing about over the last couple of months, you know, we're sent by Jesus into the world, not just to, to do mission, but to be carriers of the good news and how we live and how we speak um, the spirit of Jesus in us. And to be effective in that outward journey, I believe it's really vital, um, that inward journey of, of Jesus being formed in us. Um, and as I said, there's lots of different things on my heart, um, and I want to share a little bit of some of the things that God's spoken to me over the last few months. Um, what a delight and a joy it is to do life with Jesus, isn't it? It isn't always easy, but it is an adventure. There's always more to discover in God, isn't there? And I'm sure we're all, we all know that in our heads. I'm very much aware of that. There's more to discover but um, sabbatical for me, and I think for Rian as well, we felt was a real opportunity um, to, to embrace that and to discover uh, more of um, how we express our faith, um, how we meet with God, um, exploring different practices of doing that, which might be kind of normal to people in different kind of church denominations or networks, but actually to, to me was a real kind of revelation uh, and really helped me. So I just wanted to start off by asking if anyone knows what the word sabbatical means. I don't know if um, you, you might be familiar with the word, but I don't know if anyone knows. Any offers of what sabbatical might mean or where it might come from? Any ideas? Yeah, you're pretty much close there. Rest is someone, what else is that? Yeah, that's it. You got it, Sabbath, which is rest, isn't it? So, um, looking at another question, what is Sabbath? Um, it's not really something we talk a lot about in church, is it? Um, in fact, I think we, we very rarely talk about it. Perhaps we think it's not really relevant to us anymore. It's something from the Old Testament. 
Uh, perhaps we think, oh, we've gone beyond that as a society. We have, many of us have two days a week off work now, so perhaps we've gone beyond that. Or maybe we just think, well, that's a little bit difficult to deal with. Let's just kind of park that one to the side. So let's look at where we're introduced to, to Sabbath first in the Bible. Genesis 2.2. And yeah, verses two and three. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. Now, I've been doing a bit of reading around Sabbath uh, and what it means, exploring that quite a bit more. Uh, and I came across this, this quote, which I, I found helpful. It's actually from a rabbi. We don't often quote from rabbis, do we? But I'm sure rabbis have lots of wisdom um, on, the, on the text of the Old, Old Testament and the, the scriptures. So this is what he was talking about um, in relation to Sabbath. After six days of creation, what did the universe lack? Manua. Now, forgive my pronunciation. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm pronouncing that quite correctly in my Hebrew, but it sounds a bit like manure, but, but we'll go with manure. Manure, which is usually translates with rest means here much more than withdrawal from labor and exertion, more than freedom from toil, strain, or activity of any kind. Manure is not a negative concept, but something real and intrinsically positive. What was created on the seventh day? Tranquility, serenity, peace, repose. To the biblical mind, manure is the same as happiness and stillness, as peace and harmony. Doesn't that sound like a good thing? And other kind of theologians have, have identified that the, the Hebrew word for Sabbath, which, which is Shabbat, um, is more of a, a stopping or ceasing. Um, after all, it's not really like, imagine that God, after six days of creating, he needed a rest. And maybe he wasn't you know, tired out. He is God after all. But he did stop. Um, he ceased from his activity. He set a principle there for us. Um, and we might find that helpful in, in what we consider um, Sabbath or rest to be. You know, for some of us, you know, an activity might actually be something that, that gives us rest, maybe doing a bit of gardening, maybe some drawing or painting. So what to one person might be graft or toil, actually for, for another person, that might be something that helps you enter into a Sabbath rest. And Sabbath, of course, was a subject that Jesus didn't shy away from, did he? He didn't shy away from talking about that. Um, one day, uh, the Pharisees objected to Jesus' disciples picking corn as they're walking through a field, Matthew 12, 1 and 2. And they also object to Jesus healing a, a man's shriveled hand, um, saying that Jesus igno is ignoring the, the command to keep the Sabbath found in the Hebrew Scriptures. And Jesus responds in a really interesting way, you know, pointing out that the Sabbath um, is really, and pointing out the, what the truth of the Sabbath was. You know, Jesus understood the, understood the heart of the Sabbath, what God's original command was pointing to. It was pointing to finding rest in him. And the Sabbath rest is also a foretaste of the ultimate rest that we'll find in God in the culmination of his kingdom. You know, it could be so easy, can't it, to slip into the thinking of, you know, I've got too much to do to take a rest. You know, how are things going to move on if I don't do this job? I've got to do it. Or who else is going to do it? You know, it's got to be me. There's no one else there to do it. You know, we really live, don't we, in a, uh, a culture focused on what you do, what you produce, what you achieve. You know, even when we greet someone, we often say, how are you doing? It's just a phrase, isn't it? But 
you know, the, the kind of focus is about the activity. How are you doing? Not just how are you or how are you feeling? You know, we all live in this world, don't we? And we're hugely influenced by the culture in it. You know, it's so easy to be drawn into that culture of achievement, production, uh, the desire to succeed in the, uh, the world's eyes. And I know I've been challenged on that in, in recent months. But of course, you know, on the flip side, it's not wrong, is it, to have a desire to use the gifts and skills and talents that God's given us. It's not wrong to want to reach our potential in education, uh, to work hard at what we do. You know, it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance. But what's really come apparent to me is that Sabbath rest is something that we can be intentional about. Uh, we can practice Sabbath rest in all sorts of different ways, but it's to the benefit of our souls. And when we engage in a, an intentional way, we realize that that gift um, will help us rest body, mind, and soul. You know, Sabbath rest, it isn't about um, God forcing a rule upon us to get us fall in line with a certain practice. It's a gift that he offers us, that we, when we engage with, it's to our benefit, it's to our blessing. And in this you know, society in which we live, uh, we live, we're all can be very focused on doing things quickly, can't we? It's all about being quick, uh, about being uh, efficient. You know, just to give a few examples, uh, the gigabyte broadband connection, which we all need if we're working from home or we've got kids who are gaming or watching films. Uh, the next day delivery service, or even quicker perhaps in some circumstances. Uh, the five steps to get rich quick. Um, another technological example, which I'm sure we're all hearing about at the moment, chatbot GPT. It's a way to do things more efficiently, isn't it? Are, are our jobs going to be redundant because chatbot is going to do them for us, AI? It's all about being quick, about being efficient. And I'm sure we all find, don't we, uh, that the pace of activity in life is very fast. And a word kind of came to me during um, that time of sabbatical um, that God just really spoke to me really clearly. And he just said to me, James, slow down. Slow down. That can be a challenging word to hear. It was for me. I'm sure it can be for all of us. Um, you know, myself as someone who likes to th see things happen quickly, I have an idea, I want to put it into practice. Um, I've done plenty of things where it's competitive, it's about being the quickest, getting the quickest time, meeting deadlines. I'm sure we, many of us can relate to that in work scenarios. It's all about being efficient, being quick. But I really believe there's such life and freedom when we can allow ourselves to slow down. You know, it can really help us to see God at work in our lives and the world around us. It can help us to hear God when we slow down. It's interesting, even kind of in a, a practical sense, I know that I'm probably quite naturally quite a fast walker when I, you know, walk out in the park. I do slow my pace down a little bit naturally now when I'm with Rian. So 17 years of marriage, so we'll kind of like go the same pace. But if I'm my own, I'm tending to like, you know, I'm like this. How many steps can I get in? How far can I go? But do you know what I found really refreshing in the last few months? Actually, why don't I just slow down? Take a bit more of a leisurely pace. You know, take the world in. Enjoy God's presence as I'm walking around the, the park and not thinking about how far I've gone. And I don't know about you, but I, I certainly hurry at times. I can be definitely that, that person, you know, when you're at the supermarket, eyeing up the different queues. Which one's going to be quickest? Is it this one? Is it that one? I always choose the wrong one. 
You know, it's the person, then the, the checkout lady has a nice chat, and I'm getting frustrated. And actually, that's, it's probably a nice thing. It's a good thing, isn't it, that they're doing that? But I'm on a journey. You know, God's helping me with that. I think most of us probably see hurrying as just part of life, don't we? But it's interesting when we look at our greatest example, when we look at Jesus, we don't, we don't see him hurrying, do we really? I don't really remember that verse about him doing a miracle and then rushing off to the next place to, to do another miracle as quick as he could or counting them up and seeing how many he could do in a day and how much he could achieve. It wasn't about that, was it? And I just want to share a, a quote that I think uh, really epitomizes this quite powerfully. Um, it's a quote from a book called uh, Three Mile an Hour God, which isn't a book that I've read, so I can't recommend it necessarily. I will re- recommend another one in a minute, but um, I love this quote, so I'll share this quote with us. Love has its speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we're accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, at three miles an hour. It's the speed we walk, and therefore the speed the love of God walks. You know, if we can allow ourselves to, to slow down, I really believe there can be much blessing for our lives, blessing for our relationships with God, for our souls. And I'm not saying that I've got this all figured out. Uh, I know that I can get too focused on activities, uh, but it's something that I want to pay attention to, something that I want to grow in. And maybe, maybe this morning it speaks to you as well. Maybe you think, oh, maybe there's something in this for me as well. So maybe you want to chat to a friend, chat to a, your husband or wife, maybe challenge yourself, challenge them. How do you think we might be able to slow down? How do you think we might be able to embrace some rhythms of rest? So if you, you, know, if you are interested to, to look at this topic a little bit more of Sabbath as well, I have got a book which I recommend. Um, which one that myself and Rian have kind of been reading over the last few months uh, by an author called Ruth Haley Barton, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. Uh, so first person to speak to me after, if you're interested, you can, you can borrow that from me. An excellent book. Um, I felt I couldn't um, preach on this topic, though, uh, without including these, these next verses. And I've decided to go with the, the message version. So this is from uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30 can follow if you like in in whatever translation you've got but I really like the way it's worded in quite practical and some beautiful language that I think speaks powerfully in the message so this is what Matthew 11 28 to 30 says are you tired worn out burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take real rest walk with me and work with me Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. What a beautiful invitation that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago. And he speaks it again to us today. Rest isn't just about activity. It's about our hearts, our thoughts, our souls, our whole beings. And I don't know about you, but when I was looking at these verses, the, the words that really stood out to me were those three simple words that Jesus says, come to me, come to me. You know, we see Jesus repeat that invitation at numerous points in his life in different kind of context. 
And it's such a powerful invitation. Simply come to me. I'll show you how to take real rest. He invites us to, to walk with him, to work with him, to watch how he does it, to learn from him. You know, we have such a wonderful teacher, don't we, in Jesus? He invites us to walk with him. He'll teach us a better way, a way that is, isn't heavy, but is light. And when we walk with him, when we spend time in his presence, we can't help but be transformed. We can't help but be refreshed, renewed. We can't help be challenged and be carriers of his life and his blessing. And you might remember, I think a, a few weeks ago, I, during our worship time, I shared on this a little bit, um, a story that's really just been coming back to me and again and again over the last few months as a story of the prodigal son. It's one of those stories that I think probably many of us um, are very familiar with. You know, the son who rejects his father, um, takes his inheritance, um, runs away, um, spends inheritance, lives a wild life, um, but then he comes to his senses. He comes to himself and he realizes, what am I doing? I've got a loving father at home waiting to receive me, to accept me again. And I've uh, recently read a book that just spoke to me so powerfully. I wasn't even aware, I don't know if you are, that there's actually a painting called The Prodigal Son uh, right by Rembrandt. And I think I've got a, a picture of it, hopefully, to, to share with us. And it's just such a powerful picture, a powerful painting. Just seeing, you know, you can't really see it very well, but the bit that stands out to you there, the bit that stands out is the bit that the painter wants to draw our eye to. And that's the embrace of the father towards the son. A loving embrace, a compassionate embrace that doesn't look at what the son's done, doesn't look at how he's walked away, but just as invites him and says, come to me. And as the son returns, the father runs out, doesn't he? To meet him and embraces him. And there's so much more I'd love to, to share on this story, and I hope to kind of touch on that perhaps in uh, a future occasion, but um, I didn't have time to do that today. But yeah, I, I just feel there's so much in that story. I think, I don't know about you, but for me, um, perhaps kind of not being able to, not thought that I can identify with that story, thought that, oh, you know, I haven't kind of completely rejected Jesus, I haven't walked away from him. Um, but actually, I do, you know, I do mess up each and every day. I make mistakes, all of us do, don't we? But God is always there with his warm, loving embrace, saying, come to me, come to me, receive grace, receive mercy, receive my embrace today. I just wanted to share also just um, a little bit of some other things that myself and Rian had um, looked at over the last few months um, and there's something called Ignatian spirituality. And you might be thinking, what's that? That sounds a little bit strange. That sounds a little bit weird. But actually, um, it's just, um, there's all sorts of practices um, um, associated with Ignatian spirituality. But part of it, which I found really helpful and refreshing, is just how we engage with scripture. And it's really putting yourself into the story. It's putting yourself into the eyes of one of those characters in the story and identifying um, with that story, and in your imagination, seeing yourself there, seeing what you're drawn to. So I just encourage you perhaps to do that in your, in your Bible reading, and your, as you're reading, maybe kind of look at it in a different way, put yourself into the story, put yourself and see what God's drawing you to, see what he might speak to you um, 
through that story. And it kind of relates a little bit to what we've been looking at over the last few months um, and the Lectio series that we've been doing. Um, Lectio Divina has lots of similarities and how we um, engage with scripture. Uh, and I found that really powerful. So it's just something I thought was, was worth mentioning uh, this morning. Uh, and I just want to close with a, a verse that I came across um, in the last week or so, which I absolutely love. And it talks about rest again. It talks about slowing down. Uh, it talks about engaging with God uh, and hearing the call of Jesus to come to him again. Um, to cha- uh, change us, to shape us, to renew us. And it's these words from Jeremiah 6, 16, which I think are so powerful, um, and perhaps we can reflect on them together a little bit. This is what Jeremiah 6, 16 says. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Interesting verses, aren't they? What are those ancient paths? God's way? Perhaps the Sabbath way, the way of rest? A way quite contrary to our culture, maybe? just got a a quote as well, another one, I know, that I came across very recently, but I thought it spoke powerfully into what I was sharing this morning. This is from Wayne Muller, and he says, because we do not rest, we lose our way. We miss the compass points that would show us where to go. We bypass the nourishment that would give give us succor, which means support. We miss the quiet that would give us wisdom. We miss the joy and love born of effortless delight. So I just think it'd be great for us to spend a little bit of time doing that together, just considering, you know, ourselves and hearing from God, allowing God to speak to us, just in our mind's eye, seeing our life, and just see where maybe he's highlighting to us to slow down, to find rest in him. And maybe for you as well, maybe that call just to, to come to him again. Maybe that's something you want to embrace in this moment. You might have been a Christian for years. You might never have come to know Jesus. But he invites you today as well just to come to him, to receive his embrace of love because he loves you. He loves you dearly. He loves you passionately and he wants the best for you. He wants you to live a life of blessing, of freedom, of comfort, of grace and mercy in him. So let's just take a minute in the quiet just to do that together. And then after I'll just pray and uh, the, the band will lead us in a song just in response. But let's just spend a minute in the quiet hearing from God, allowing him to speak to our hearts and our souls.
Lord, you know me more deeply and fully than I know myself. You love me with a greater love than I can love myself. You even offer me more than I can desire. Take my body, take my confused mind and my restless, my restless soul into your arms and give me rest. Simple, quiet rest in you. We give you our hearts, we give you our lives this morning. You're so wonderful, God. You're so beautiful, you're so mighty, Lord God. Our only response to it can be say that we love you, that our desire is you, that we want to honor you with our lives, we want to give you our all as we come to you, Lord Jesus.